Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. Welcome to the Nest of Vipers podcast, cultural chit-chat for know-it-alls, ne'er-do-wells, and nattering nabobs everywhere. I'm your host, Danny Plotnick, and each week on the show, we bring together an esteemed panel of blabbermouths to riff on some cultural topic of the utmost importance. And today, we're going to talk about customer service, because I think every American, no matter what their age, race, color, or creed, has some customer service nightmare in their past or certainly in their future. Some horrible time on the phone or on the internet in some uh, Kafka-esque bureaucratic nightmare. And speaking of nightmares, today's panel. I've pulled together San Francisco's biggest blabbermouse, put them around one table, and I'll be shocked if anyone gets a word in edgewise. And we're going to start introducing right here. We've got Tony B., How's it going? Musician, member of the Hank Four. We've got Bucky Sinister with a brand new book out. All right? blacked out and nowhere to go. All blacked out, nowhere to go. Poems uh, about your punk rock past. Yes. Like it's, it's about getting drunk and getting your heart broke. What, what, what makes a poem punk rock? Uh, how fast you read it? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Well, moving right along, we also have Jack. One, uh, one person buys it and 25 people ask for a free copy. <laughs> All right, and finally, we have Jack Blair, author of Sex American Style. Bizarro SF? SF San Francisco Bizarro. Bizarro. And a new book about punk rock in the Bay Area. All right. Forthcoming. So we're going to start our stories on, I believe, Christmas morning with Mr. Sinister. Oh, yeah. Okay, I worked at PlayStation for a couple years. That's a gaming system, right? Yes, it's a video game console system. I've gotten a lot of grief about not explaining all the references on the show. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know what a PlayStation <laughs> is. The Footnote yeah. Podcast. Well, <laughs> being kind of low on the totem pole over there uh, on Christmas Day. I was what's the, what's the lowest you can get at PlayStation? There's the uh, stuffing the peanuts in the box or something. Well, there, there's like, there's sweeping up. There's two there's two bottom rung jobs over there. Yeah, there's right. the, the testers, right? And a lot of people like when you're like about 15, this sounds like it's going to be the ultimate job, where it's just like you're playing the same part of the game over and over, looking for glitches and bugs and reporting them. It's just so repetitive; it drives a lot of people crazy, and the hours are really horrible and. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, once you've done it for a while, you get to move up, and then your next job isn't nearly so bad. But that's how they weed out a lot of people who want to go into video game production. The other thing is for the uh, 800 operators, the customer service jobs, that's the other place where you start. And that's uh, the place I, I was. I wasn't one of the main operators. I wrote a lot of the manuals for them and wrote a lot of the uh, little copy that they would read when somebody would call up with a problem with a game or whatnot. On Christmas Day, it's, it's you know, that's, that's when everybody gets their PlayStations out of the boxes and tries to plug them into the TV and... And it doesn't work, and everybody is upset. And uh, that's why they put everybody, no matter where you are in customer service, you are on the helplines, on the installation helplines. People just calling in. They have about an hour and a half wait on Christmas Day to talk to a rep. And that that wait lasts for a couple of days, actually. People just calling up like all day long. You know, it's just one call after another coming into your headset. People like you know I I got the, got the PlayStation and it, you know I can't get it to work and how do I do it and just going over like how to install it you know trying to figure out what they're trying to plug it into. Uh, I'm trying to plug it into my toaster. It doesn't seem yeah, to work. Yeah. Well, after so what it, like kids or their parents or well yeah it's usually the parents. The kids were actually a lot better with it because they knew where all the stuff was. It's like I need the remote that came with that VCR and they're like uh, and the uh, parents uh, are like I don't know where that comes and the parents would also say things like they would call like the little controllers they call them paddles. Uh, and they, they would call the uh, CDs uh, little games. They would call them, uh, they call them tapes. 
We put the tape in the PlayStation. Doesn't work uh, at the paddles. And whereas the and, kids uh, going, I need an RJ forty five connector, male to female, and isn't in the box. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the kids, yeah, the kids knew how to work all this stuff, and and also, uh, you know, it had to say things like, you know, when they were plugging, it, trying to hook it into some TV, they're like, well, I don't see that that jack in the back of TV. All we have here in the back of this TV is these two little screws. I'm like, is this TV sitting on top of another TV? Because you know, it's like what you know what I mean. It's like that's my house. Yeah, yeah. You realize that like they're trying to plug it into like the TV that's in the basement that uh, you know that no one's used for a long time. They want to plug it into the nice new TV. It's a seven inch black and white. The rabbit ears. Yeah, yeah. And they're just trying to plug into like you can't you can't plug PlayStation into that. Well, you uh, you can't not right out the box. You can't just uh, plug it into a seventy four Philco. You know, and, a uh, pair of needle nose to change the channel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just uh, you know, it's, it's just not made for that. And uh, you know, so it's, it's a whole market right there, right? Yeah, untapped completely. <laughs> People with old TVs who want to play video. Games. Yeah, well, there's like little adapters you can get, like at Radio Shack. Like that Radio Shack is like the last place that carries like adapters for this kind of thing. Are but, you yeah. allowed to recommend Radio Shack in your PlayStation uh, position here? Yeah, I'm not really working for either place anymore, so why not? <laughs> oh, could we do a dramatization right now? Oh, <laughs> some role playing. That'd be yeah. great. Put you yeah, back yeah. in the seat. Yeah, you know, yeah, really well, sense memory kind of a thing. Well, yeah, it would just. There would be what the some, hell's wrong with you people? I've been on the. I've been waiting for ninety-five minutes. My son is crying. He's in tears. He has to play. Mighty Morphin. <laughs> My son wants to slap some. Uh, wants to kill some hookers in Grand Theft Auto Three Vice City. And you're ruining his Christmas. How is this? How is this going to be? You know, how is this going to be Christmas if my son can't kill his hookers? You know, and uh, that's, we can't cut the Christmas ham until the hookers are killed. <laughs> yeah, so We're waiting was, for that last hooker scream to come from the TV set. It was great too. Like a lot of the kids in Daily uh, were from like Daily City. They still lived at home, and so these are the people. Like uh, the, a lot of the customer support people, and uh, they would. They we had these different like operators who would speak like French, and I would spoke Spanish. They had we had all these different things with different languages, but they would also someone it came up speaking Hick. They would send him over to me, and uh, that was like we can't understand this guy. Can you talk to him? And like southern accent, I'm like yeah, okay, let me get a character. Out so, of the car, so he, he, would, he would get passed. He would pass through, and I'd be like, "Hey, what could I do you for?" And they're like, uh, "Well, I got the game here, and I don't time. Got the paddles out, and I don't know what I'll do with it. I'm trying to, you know." And it was it was kind of fine because I could you know understand that, and then like it was just kind yeah. of confusing the kids. Like we don't even know he's speaking English. Like this is really. <laughs> That's not you know. English. That's American. A lot of times, it, too, it would be like one thing they would have to push on, like one button, and it's just like a, you know, hit the power button. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, that's what we always started with is power button. Reset. Is it plugged in? Is the power light on? And then sometimes it'd be like, you know, you'd hear like, God damn it. Because <laughs> people have been waiting for like an hour and a half and realize the electrical outlet that in the basement doesn't work. Yeah. Like, that's your problem. Their Christmas is ruined, right? Until it's up to you to make it right. Yeah, yeah, and then just, uh, you know, or they would hit, like, you know, the auxiliary button on the remote, and that would be the only thing they'd have to do, and you'd hear the PlayStation music in the background. They'd be like, I've tried everything, and I'm like, hit the auxiliary button on your remote. And then they'd hit, and they'd just, like, they'd just hear, like, this little line of cussing, you know. <laughs> now, when so, people called, were they irate? Yeah, a lot of people were. And were, how did you disarm that? You treat anger with kindness. Wow. And the, but if someone was a real, like, <laughs> if, if someone was a real, like, jerk, it was like, my favorite thing would be, it was like, sir, there's there's no need to yell. And this is this is great, because then the person automatically comes back with, I, I'm not yelling. It's like, like, sir, you're going to have to keep your voice down. And then, like, it, it makes the people start yelling is what it does. Of course. And then uh, after a while, like, you know, I can hit the little, this little button on my phone to get the uh, to get the supervisor to start listening. It, like, it lights up on his phone. He 
starts listening. By then, the guys are going, uh, I'm not yelling at you. And like, you're, you're just going to have to calm down. I am calm. Just tell me how to turn it. <laughs> like, how many hours did you have to do this at a time? Oh, it was eight hour days. Uh, you know, for about eight a week. hours of listening to that stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, for about a week through through Christmas, and then I'll go back to my regular job. It, it gets filled up that much because people can't figure it out. And it's it funny because in Japan they didn't have PlayStation didn't have a customer service department because everybody read the instruction book <laughs> and everybody everyone knew it. Yeah. yeah, and if you couldn't figure it out, you got your roommate or your friend to f- figure it out for you. Uh, it's just really kind of kind of funny because you know the, the brass from Japan would come over, like you know all the, the, the big heads of PlayStation would come over, like why do you need a consumer service department? Why are we paying for this? And like, well, because no one here can read a set of instructions to save their life. <laughs> It's American, you know. Yeah, and they also didn't understand why people would want to admit that they have, like, these old TVs and stuff. It was, like, shameful. Of course. Yeah, you like, why would you just family. kill yourself? Yeah, why, why would you have some old piece of technology like that? Why would you keep it? Like, what, what you know, why would you tell anyone that you had it? Or why would you just, get the PlayStation but yeah, not get just, a new TV? It's a matter of shame. It's just, like, why would you admit to someone you could not complete a video game? Or whatever, because we had like a 900 helpline too, which would actually help you solve the games. Is that you the know? suicide prevention like, line for uh, PlayStation? <laughs> oh, well, we did have a lot of irate, upset callers in that way when uh, this one character in this video game dies in the, in the course of gameplay. In Final Fantasy VII, one of the characters dies to save everyone else, and she doesn't come back to life for the rest of the game. And people were just really upset. And we got calls for years about how do you bring Eris back to life? And it's like, well, what's the, you an- don't. What's the answer? You know, yeah. she dies as, as a part of the <laughs> There's plot. no secret code. She saves no the world, code. you know, by dying, you know. <laughs> and people just did not want to accept that. There's no Easter egg where you could, like, No, no, there's no way. But that was what always, like, some kid would Photoshop a, a scene from, like, he would take some screen grabs and Photoshop a scene of Eris coming back to life and you know, put it out on the internet on some little game bulletin board. Here's how to do it. And it would be some like like <laughs> something that would take like, you know, twenty five hours of gameplay just to do the, the whole quest. And they would get back and it wouldn't work and then they call us mad and like uh and then uh Kaz Harai, when when he found out about all this, he was one of the big heads, he he released this press release that said the you know, the PlayStation the PlayStation two would uh we were gonna try to lure people in emotionally to it. He was talking about the emotion engine is what they were first calling the workings of the PlayStation 2. Because after, like, you know, the whole Final Fantasy VII thing, they made an overt effort to get people emotionally attached to the video games. By killing off more and more people within the games? Strangely enough, by making the eyes more realistic. Yeah. Do they blink? Yeah, yeah, they blink and they just look better. And they said, well, that's one of the big things that they... <laughs> the eyes, the heart, wow. the, yeah, yeah. the window make, to like, the soul? Yeah, you like make that? this total cartoony-looking character, you make the real-looking eyes on it, and people start yeah. really associating All with it. All of a sudden, it. it's better. Yeah. And, and when the little characters die, people get really upset. And if you see, like, if you see, like, the Grand Theft Auto games and stuff, like, like a lot of them can't really... They don't, they don't have, like, a realistic look in their eye. So they, it's kind of easy to run around and kill people in that game. Yeah, but if they had real eyes that cried, yeah, 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 I really <laughs> blood come out of the, the sockets. Yeah. So do you do you have it? Do you have any specific memories of some really irate customer or something that you couldn't deal with? Or at some point, do you pass the calls on? Oh well, you know we got bomb threats over there. Some people would call back and get bomb threats. I think that was just the most irate that they would get when they threatened to destroy the whole company. You're pretty pissed off when you're kind of calling. Yeah, I about three or four a year. It's because you know? Eris is dead, man. She won't <laughs> yeah. come back to life. Oh, uh, there were a couple things. There was a Tarzan game that came out of the kids. 
Tarzan movie, that one with Rosie O'Donnell doing the monkey voice in there. Do you remember that one? Rosie Missed O'Donnell that. as Tarzan? Missed that one. Yeah, Rosie O'Donnell's one of the monkeys. Like, Tarzan's best friend. Come on, Tarzan! Like, she had this total like accent, a, like, like, like in the jungle. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Tarzan! Let's go get some bananas! Yeah, and, Pushing uh, a New York yeah. monkey. <laughs> yeah, and uh, on that one, the, there's, like, the, you know, the 900 number for, uh, for game help. And somebody in production was supposed to look at that and make sure it was right, but... Um, Apparently there was a couple of numbers that got transposed, and uh, it what came out there was it was a uh, sex number. So <laughs> That's all these, not true. all these, yes, all these kids were calling up the sex line Asking and for uh, help with their monkey. Well, well, well the support person, of a different kind, isn't it? Well, it was a lot of the kids were old enough to know that it was a sex line, but they weren't really old enough to find one of the numbers on their own, so they're really excited about it. Yeah, well, it was like finding a a porno mag in the woods. You know, it's like at that age, you know, and you're like, oh wow, here's like something I've been wanting to find, wow. but I'm not old enough to get, and now we found one. So did and, like one eight hundred, you know, eat my shorts, like complain, like are getting all these calls from thirteen year old. <laughs> oh boys. no, it's just like you know, they, you know, we got some calls that kind of right away. Parents calling for uh, their kids for for out and hearing that, and they would complain right away. But a lot of the calls we got were like a month later, when the people's phone bills were coming in, oh, and their yeah. kids have been calling like That's fourteen right. times, and uh-huh. you know, and they're like every time they, they had like you know they, their friends come over, hey, like call this number and listen to what happens. This is awesome. <laughs> There was another one. It was a game called Tomba, and uh, the, we started getting complaints right away. You know, my kid got this game. Like someone gave it to him. It says a gift, and uh, we speak Swahili in this house, and we don't think this is very funny. And you know that 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 was uh, being the first call we heard. And we were like, what? You know, we thought it's somebody like prank calling us. You know, <laughs> Tomba is 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 basically like the f word in Swahili. And, uh, we and that was the name of a video game. Yeah, yeah. And so like, all the Swahili-speaking households were calling up, going, oh, this is obscene. You shouldn't have that. And uh, I no, was no, Were people like actually doing this on purpose, like putting the phone number wrong or naming well, a game like Well, you can't like really this? tell because like these people, like there's so many disgruntled employees, you don't know who's trying to like <laughs> screw that's, the system. Okay, buddy. that's what I've been trying to get at for yeah. the last five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's really hard to tell. And it's like, you won't ever really get caught. Like, it, and it's... Really easy to do, and uh, there's a lot of reason to do it. What yeah, was then, the What was the Tomba game? It was. It's a side scroller set in a jungle. What's a side I, I, well, I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's just like a, like a, like you, Super Mario Brothers. Everybody, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers set in a jungle or something with like a little like jungle guy running around, kind of kind of much like a little Tarzan, like running around swinging on vines, that kind of thing. And uh, sounds great. How much? Yeah. Twenty nine ninety five. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably, I, about, I probably about four ninety nine right now. <laughs> Was it one of the better side scrollers? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I really have to say, it's no Mega Man. I just, you know, it's just no. So, did you guys have to pull it? Or did you? Uh, just... No, no. I actually. I'm actually, sorry, ma'am. Tomba. I actually <laughs> came up with a script on that one where uh, we were having a little meeting about like, uh, you know, what to give out to the reps, and I said that it was that it was made to be uh, alphabetically next to Tomb Raider in the stores. That's all we're trying to do is get a name, get a game right next to Tomb Raider. So that's what that's what I wrote up, and uh, so we sent out to all the things that the parents are pretty pleased with that. Brilliant. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, a good yeah. little uh, you know white lie you can get out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Diffuse. Yeah. How much did you get paid for that? What was in it for you? Oh, geez, twelve bucks an hour. All right, fantastic. Yeah. Did you yeah, get free no games? benefits? Did you get free PlayStation? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Actually, I was I was contracted there for a couple of years. I never well, became a full employee. Well, he did, but his TV was just a yeah. Philco yeah, 75. It didn't, it didn't work when I hooked it up to my Etch-a-Sketch. I don't know <laughs> what the problem is. It's a brand new Etch-a-Sketch. It's brand new. Yeah, yeah. I tried my Magic 8, my Magic 8 ball, too. It didn't work on that either. But, yeah, I, I was in a contract there for a couple of years, and I uh, never got made a full permanent employee. And uh, But, yeah, if you're a full permanent employee, they give you a PlayStation. 
here you go. You know, you know that the company's making hundreds of millions of dollars every year, and it's just like, hey, if we're working here, here's a $98 piece of plastic. It's like, thanks, dude. Like, you know, how, how about some, how about the dental plan? You know? <laughs> this should be a game. PlayStation dental plan. Well, the, the game's in Japan. <laughs> you, you try, HMO, it's a, it's a side scroller. You try to arrest an HMO a out of your head. Yeah. Right? Why don't we move over to Jack? Yeah, service industry. Um, I was always pretty bad at the service industry. Uh, the only job I ever really had at it was uh, when I first moved to San Francisco, I got a job at the Fairmont Hotel, one of the grand hotels of the city. Up in the top uh, of up Knob, in the Hill. Knob Hill. And uh, I. Uh, Cable cars rushing yeah, by. Totally. It was an audiovisual company I was working for, which will remain nameless. You know, they, for some reason, thought I was a sound engineer with a lot of experience, and I'd lied to get this job and said I was. <laughs> and I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't well, really so know they, much they, at all. They weren't really wrong in thinking. No. And so the first anything. thing, uh, you know, I had to do was go into this, like, a completely packed ballroom at the Fairmont Hotel in the middle of this presentation because the sound wasn't working and I had to go in there and they all like parted like the engineer's here you know and I'm like what was the presentation I don't know was it the like the vice president uh, and I'll tell you it was like a screen as wide as a ballroom with you know uh, all guys you know and, uh, and girls sitting at like green tablecloth tables with pictures of water and yellow notepads and they were watching a star field you know with a 2001 theme boom 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 and at that moment I walk in the back and I'm like what in the Crocus. hell is this <laughs> what is this supposed to be and then there's this giant solar panel that appears and starts rotating on the star field and then this voiceover goes Fafco solar panels where the future is now and I'm like and, and the sound was going so I had to sort of take care of that and I like tweaked it down that was feedback yeah that was, okay I wasn't sure some that sort was of feedback and it, it, was, it was like very intense thing though because I, I didn't know what I was doing I'd never sat at a mixing board in my life but I was kind of like I was you know making the face and uh, you know tweaking a couple things here and there and finally it went away and they thought wow that guy alright so I got hired I, so you lucked into whatever you did right there. totally I w- didn't care about it I uh, you well know, that's I, the key it was a very zen moment oh, okay. yeah and you know so I ended up going Going there every day, and they they made you wear a coat and tie and gray slacks that they would buy for you, and you had to provide your own necktie. And I hated wearing necktie, so I called on my phone with my parents, and I said, "If I wear a necktie," and they said, "Well, we'll send you some of your father's ties." I went, "Great!" So. You know, every day I go to work with a 70s wide, like, paramecium nice. design, you know, beaver tail kind of sized tie. And I'd with walk a, around the hotel like that. With a pretty lady on the underside. <laughs> Lit up for Christmas. Yeah. Um, so I, I would have to go there every day. And all the people who I worked with hated their job as much as I did. Because we were all, like, flaky little bohemian San Francisco people who had any, you know, a lot of other things going on at the night and during the evening. Playing in bands or making movies or writing or whatever. And nobody was making any money money at that so we had to go work at the Fairmont Hotel and we had to set up these slides and projection and sound for all these big companies so these these people would roll in a lot of fraternal organizations like the Lions Club would come roaring in and all the guys from Arkansas would have red blazers all the guys yeah. from Oregon would have green blazers right. and they would get tanked and have these little presentations and you'd have to set up the microphone Jeez, each other those little cars yeah <laughs> around one the of Fairmont the, uh, Hotel they caught one of the Lions peeing in the corner he got, he got so drunk at an event and he just thought went behind a plant and peed in a ballroom and they had to, you know, that's how we do it in Arkansas, you know, but like, it's one of those things where, you know, you were talking about like, you know, once you work in a place, what's the matter? Is this the women's plant? (laughs) Why y'all getting so upset? This is Arkansas. We do in Arkansas. This is the men's plant. There were many moments like that where you would have to pretend to be interested in this. Like me and another guy would be sitting there, you know, in the middle of a room, it'd be 
dark. You know, the guy be namoring on about their company to the sales reps and their projection wouldn't be working or something. And we'd be in the back of the room going like, you know, Voltaire used to drink 30 cups of coffee a day. You know, oh, wow, did you see Blade Runner last weekend? You know, or like yeah. the Dead Kennedys are playing. That. I mean, it was all this like, who gives a shit about our job? You know, and then we, the guy would come up and go, uh, could, this light isn't working, you know. And you'd have to lie, basically, because the equipment wouldn't work or you didn't set it up right or you didn't know how to set it up right. And one guy actually said to the people once, did you bring the slides through the airport? The guy said, yeah. And, you know, why aren't they working? And he said, well, did you put them through the uh, x-ray machine? And he said, yeah. And they were like, well, there you go. Yes, yeah. demagnetized the tone on this. Just <laughs> somebody else said there was there was a satellite dish on top of the hotel. I'm so excited and that we could had just like, talk about slide technology today. <laughs> I know it's all AV and uh, yeah. geek tech geek stuff. But you know the fact is we didn't really know what we were doing. I mean we were all kind of making up as we went along. I remember mixing sound for Liz Taylor once during a press conference, and she was an hour and a half late. She came stumbling down the stairs, all pilled out. Ma- Walter Mondale, the night before he got his ass kicked in the election, was like making a speech, and it was just really sad, you know? You know, working in one of those grand hotels, if you go in during the day and you're like, wow, this is expensive, looks nice, everybody's fancy, but you're behind the scenes in the hallways that stink of coffee, of like, you know, right. 80 years of rotted food. One time I, I took the, the elevator too far and I ended up on the garbage level of the hotel, and there were <laughs> yeah. standing pools it, of water. A whole garbage level? It was, yeah. <laughs> it was a, don't press it. Was, it was like, no. it, I don't know what level it was, but we went down too far, and it was like the bowels, you know? It was like... I expected to see animals, you know, living in there. Yeah, but there, there was a couple of moments in particular I remember. There was a, the Shriners Annual Convention. The guys with the fezes and the little cars, like yeah. you said before. And I had to stay there until they were done with their little thing to remove one microphone. They wouldn't let me leave. So I had to sit there and watch this pageant of Shriner thousand Shriner of machismo. A thousand of them and their wives in this room having dinner. They uh, they started with a lot of cocktails. They're all older white people, pasty and chubby from the Midwest, you know, uh, where I grew up. Montana's it's, not considered Midwest. Is no, but I, I, people I, are I fat and pasty. <laughs> let's just say that. I consider uh, everything just between the coasts. Basically, between the Bart Station, like between the Pittsburgh Bay Point Bart Station and Manhattan, everything it's in the Midwest flyover. You know, so these Shriners, you know, they had a lot of cocktails. They got, they started getting lubed up, and then they, uh, they were gonna have dinner. But first, they showed a film presentation of burn victims because that is their that uh, gets the party started. You know, really gross, you know, kind of stuff. But it was all about their burn hospitals that they kept opening around oh, the country. Right. You know, and they're getting more and more and more loaded. And then it was finally time for dinner, and they just like got all soaked up, soaked up the alcohol, and then they this presentation afterwards with a little three-piece band all wearing fezes playing San Francisco, you know, the old, old, old people, like 70s, you know, in the band. And then they would introduce the royalty for the year of the Shriners. And I'm sitting up in the balcony just watching this going, I can't believe this even exists, you know. And, you know, a guy backstage on the microphone I needed to, like, uh, get rid of at the end of the night would say, uh, you know, Grand Poobah, Vizier, you know, uh, Luke Ferguson and Lady Denise. And then they would come out and meet and then walk down this gauntlet of old men wearing like uniforms with curved swords that formed this little uh, tunnel. Canopy. And then they would walk through it and all the Shriners would go nuts and cheer. And I just thought, well, know. I love the notion that they're drunk and maybe the swords come down. Someone stumbles into something. I was like, like this will be hoping something. A, a you know. defezzing. 
Yeah. <laughs> Even as they go there, somebody would freak out the burn victim thing, you know. At, at midnight every know. year, they'd actually burn a guy. Yeah, and just to show the hospital. Well, they no, draw just, straws, you know. Yeah, they, they burn like, a guy, and that, if, that's who if ends it gets up in the hospital. If, like, if you cure the disease of burning, well, the Shriners are really out of business, right? Yeah. So they got to keep that industry alive. They, true. They don't know. Maybe they drew straws in the you know, Shriner chapter with the least amount of funds raised, you know, would have to like sacrifice <laughs> himself in a big torch bomb uh, <laughs> in the middle of the Grand Ballroom of the Fairmont. Uh, and, and another one that was that really flipped me out was a proctologist convention. <laughs> Guys who'd worked at the company nice. before are like, oh, you got the proctology convention. Huh? <laughs> Have fun. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and I go and set up their like big screen projector, which in those days in the 80s were like monstrous. They have giant fingers that they cross like swords. <laughs> like, these giant they did not. Fingers. I just, I not just don't do want that. to see the uh, the video they're showing. They did not, but the, uh, you know, they they. They, they have a giant butt that they walked out they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can get a job there. I mean, you 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 save the Tomba situation. Maybe you can kind of help yeah, spice yeah. up there. Uh, proctology support line, you know. <laughs> I was, a light bulb up there. I don't know how to get it out. <laughs> it's third time this week. I know. <laughs> uh, so the proctology guys, they're in there sitting at the green tables with the pitchers, and the lights dim, and I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm just hanging in the room, make sure it's working out. And it was like, I don't know how many minutes of proctology colonoscopic video of like inside the anal canal <laughs> footage, you know, and yeah. guys going and talking very matter of fact with this laser pointer over here. You can see this uh, sort of cyst seepage on the on the right <laughs> yeah. side of the anal. You well, know, if you, if you put that, and, if you put that on at the same time, you put on dark side of the moon. Oh man! <laughs> then you see Wizard of yeah, Oz yeah, in your yeah. mind. Hey, yeah. Look, you know. <laughs> I'd like to see the the PlayStation game proctology exam. Yeah, oh, but it's so bizarre because all I wanted to do was puke. You know, this is so <laughs> disgusting. It was kind of the, during the era of we were hearing a lot about Reagan's polyps and his colon, you know. <laughs> like, colons were in the news, you know. These uh, these guys were totally straight-faced, like, you know, it was very interested. They're learning the latest techniques uh, of scraping cysts uh, off the side of an anal, you know, passage. And finally the thing is just ends. like saying anal passage. Is that finally, the third time? <laughs> wasn't that a noir film with uh, Bogart? Yeah. <laughs> San Francisco. It was. I'm sure they go to the Fairmont at some point. So at the end of the proctology video, this <laughs> port- all, wait, all the shots are from oh. the uh, from the anal perspective, right? <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the video, whoever was this poor patient, then the camera pulls back on the video, and uh, all you see are like you know the doctor's sheets and the doctor standing around, and his butt is exposed, and someone had pasted a big sign on his ass that said "The End." And all the doctors crack up laughing. This is like their big, you know, and then they broke for coffee and then got on some buses and went to the Redwoods, you know. But it was, uh, it was. Now, the Redwoods. Uh, that was that was kind strip of strip club know, in North Beach. Uh, I lasted about a year, and then I don't know why I quit. I just had to get out of there. But uh, you know, I've never been back. I don't since. know why I couldn't do the job. I didn't like it. I don't know why I quit. I didn't know why, <laughs> I know, why did I stay so long? That was a question. I had no idea how to do the work. Why did I quit? Those were in a tie. Maybe that was it. When you were done, did you send all the ties back to your dad? No, crushing I, kept them. Your I still have them somewhere. But you know, I kept the blazers. They bought you a blazer for a while. We'd use it in theater shows because it looked like you know boring business guy. He's got. I have a whole bunch of cables I and can't. connectors I stole from the company still. Everybody Some BNC that you just don't need totally anymore. Work. Does the BNC, is that even a cable that you need anymore? We're really yeah. in like the tech zone here. Then later, it Jack spliced together the burn victim film and the, uh, and the proctology, and the proctology film. film. And sold it to Gibby Haynes. And the butthole surfers took it on tour. Yeah. That's the rest <laughs> of the story. Tony B, can you take us out of the technology zone? Yeah, I, I was just like having horrible flashbacks. I mean, I'm, I'm years in the trenches.
branches of customer service. Uh, first job I ever had was a bag boy at Winn Dixie grocery store. Uh, then I went on to fast. Sure, food. I asked for double bag. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, you know, I, I was, you know, I was basically like a Catholic kid working in a at a, at a Jewish, you know, in in the middle of a Jewish retirement community called uh, Sunrise Lakes, mm-hmm. and uh, the women. Was like, there a lake there? Uh, there? There was there was no lake. It was in the Everglades. <laughs> it was what what used to be the Everglades, but you know, they drained it, a lake to put it there. Sunrise Lake, if there was one. They probably just put a picture outside of everyone's window. They just taped it to the window yeah. of everybody's you know, little That's retirement right. condos. Whenever they opened the curtains, they thought they were looking at a lake, yeah. and it's just a picture. Like, well, originally it was called Sunrise Golf Village. That was the original <laughs> name of the town. And then they they dropped the golf village, and then they built Sunrise Lakes. Sunrise you know, Lakes phase one, the sunset two. of your life. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know? <laughs> and so I, I worked at the Winn-Dixie that was right next door to Sunrise Lakes phases one, two, three, and four. And uh, you know, having to deal with a lot, you know, of, lot of Jewish women arguing yeah. about double Coupons, you know the, the Jewish ladies coming in like holding the the melted bag of ice cream, yeah, and yeah. they're coming in off you know the, the ninety five degree Florida afternoon, and they they come in with this bag of dripping goo, and uh, the ice cream was bad. And I'm like, well, ma'am, you know, <laughs> you know what do you what do you want me to do about it? You get me the manager. You get me the manager, Sonny. You know, I was I'm constantly being called Sonny. And, uh, Sunny. <laughs> just having to deal with bagging people's groceries. You guys sell booze there? Uh, we did actually sell booze. Yeah, there's just a lot of old, sad alcoholics coming in there. They're just like never buying food, only buying gin. No, I think a lot of those people went down to the uh, to the farm store. It was like a drive through. You could get milk. <laughs> yeah, milk they, they and drive, booze. They drive up yeah, in their rascals. Didn't have to turn off the air conditioner. <laughs> I, th- I got out of the grocery biz, but we, you know, and then I, w- I, I went got to out go of work. The grocery biz. When you're yeah. a bagger, are no, you actually you're, in the biz? You're, it sounds like you're a kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I was not a kingpin at all, man. Because the, the Kingpins of the store were, were stock men. I was a bag boy, and then there was the stock man, and the stock men got to date the cashiers. But as a bag boy, you only got you to date you, the old ladies. You didn't rate, yeah, you know, absolutely. Oh, you did, you did the not. Silver foxes. This is well before cougars had any sort of cultural cachet. Getting any free golden gilf. girl? These, these golden were. The, I mean, we're, we're talking like you know the seventy-five-year-old ladies with with the dark brown leathered, oh, yeah. you know, skin oh, coming yeah. in and mm. you know with, with, with their dripping bag of ice cream, demanding a refund. Ooh. And, you know, having to talk them down, and then you get in trouble with the manager because you you hadn't handled the the customer service transaction to the. What, to what's the, the proper way to handle the melted sack of ice cream? You, you know, what do you, what do you do? You just go and give them another. It you know, sounds like a setup of a porn movie, though, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Old lady comes in with a. Oh, my ice cream is melted. <laughs> oh, Cue the, the ba- wah-wah guitar. It's, wah-wah. The, it's the young fifteen-year-old bag boy. That's right. Like, These sausages I bought aren't firm enough. <laughs> And then the thing I was working at the store when when the uh, the hurricane, uh, the hurricane, the the big hurricane. It was a, it was a Gloria. I don't. Know, this is well, this it was is so one big, in like I can't 80, remember. Eighty three, like yeah. some ladies' name. Like Nineteen eighty two, eighty three. That's our and, generation's uh, JFK. You know the all <laughs> everybody sudden, never forget it. Bow well, your heads, everyone. Yeah. They, they, they do. <laughs> no they do the hurricane it, no warning. The National called. Weather Service puts out the warning, and then the all warning. of a sudden, within fifteen minutes of this national, how does that warning sound? You know, they, they get on the, uh, you know, they, they interrupt all television and radio programming and no. they come up with the, this is the National Weather Service, Hurricane Gloria, you know, and then all of a sudden within Run 15 for your minutes, lives. Yeah. It, it's seems like cars I, are screeching into the parking lot. People are jumping out of the cars, running into the store, and it goes from being this tranquil Sunday morning, you know, with, with about, you know, 10 people in the store to... All of a sudden, there's several hundred people running through the grocery store, grabbing armloads of stuff and putting in grocery carts, and they're fighting over batteries and cans of Dinty Moore beef stew, and they're yeah. like they're, they're slugging it out. It's like pandemonium. It's panic, panic buying, and they're saying they're trying to keep all the shelves 
stalked and you're running into the back and you know people are just completely going nuts it's like here in san francisco after the you know after the earthquake people just went and bought booze you know there's no way to actually prepare it just happens and then you kind of you know get drunk to deal with it but <laughs> right. with, with, yeah. how with, much warning do you have on a hurricane warning like how do you have like 15 minutes to like buy booze and hit the road or but you get about an hour Oh, that's a long. You get time. about an hour head that's start. You, you get a really, you go by a really big belt, and you belt yourself to a tree, and then, uh, and then you a, buy a smaller belt. And you belt whiskey. a bottle of whiskey, whiskey to your hand, bong in the other hand, and just hang on, man. Yeah, you know. I, I, so after Win Dixie, I think I went and you know started working at a Taco Viva. Which, oh, here you we know, go. Again. Well, Taco yeah, Viva, we, yeah, we heard of that. And then after that, oh, the movie theater was General Cinema. Wait, didn't we hear that one too? Did we, did we already too. hear that? Yeah. Wow. Did, did, we, did I tell you about what we did with the, um, with, with the reusing of the cups? Here's yeah, a little customer. Did, we, did that make yeah, it on the show? That one too. Yeah. We heard that one too. Man. All right. I'm running out of fresh material here. I'll go to one customer service. You, you would ask about a customer service thing. Um, here's a local. I gear, had. That was the point. Yeah. Gear, uh, Ghirardelli chocolate. I, I bought a, a, Ghirard, a Ghirardelli chocolate bar San with Francisco. nuts. San Francisco chocolate classic treat. chocolate. Chocolatier. Thank I you. bought a. Uh, it was it was a bar with nuts, and I opened it up, and there was a basically a little kind of maggot wriggling worm inside. You sure one that of the was nuts. like a rice crispy. It was still kinda. it was it was wriggling. Wow. So I actually was it a San Francisco <laughs> maggot though. <laughs> What's with you and the wriggling kind of larva larvae <laughs> style? If it ain't wriggling, I ain't gonna talk about it. <laughs> so I so I put it in a Ziploc bag. And I mailed it to Ghirardelli, like hoping for some kind of big payday. <laughs> you know, well, like to blackmail him. Excellent. Work. <laughs> you know? But, but yeah. it'd be dead by the time it got there, unless yeah. you poked a hole in the bag. Shouldn't you like keep the, the bar with it that you can't? Well, he into? ate the rest of the bar. He I, I, ate, I ate around <laughs> it. Ate around it? Oh my God, how hungry were you? <laughs> then sent, sent in <laughs> the unused portion. Sent in the third, the third of the right, bar. Yeah, the unused portion. portion. Return the unused portion, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, Just but why you know that maggot didn't crawl all over that little bar inside the wrapper? Can you have DNA it? chocolate testing? To well, make so it? they they sent me a, a certificate for a five dollar certificate to buy another gear towards another Ghirardelli <laughs> bar, and a pamphlet that actually warned me about the dangers of storing any sorts of nuts or grain near heat sources. You know, so I wow. guess that's like there was like a, an informational, informational pamphlet. pamphlet. That's so like conscientious for a company to do that, isn't it? In the future, to avoid maggots in your candy bars, we suggest keeping them away from heat. What was your letter? Do you remember what you, uh, you know, it was just like, Dear Sirs, I was outraged to bite into my favorite candy bar only to, right. you know, pull a, pull a wriggling, pull a wriggling maggot out of my mouth. No. Which which I have taken the courtesy of enclosing here. Yeah. <laughs> I did what any responsible citizen would do. It's your turn. Yeah. And so you Well, you know, you hear all these stories about, you know, like you think, you know, I mean, and I had no real, you know, hope that I was going to, you think you might get some kind of like, here's your thousand dollar payday for getting right. the magnet yeah. in the bar. But were I got you, you know, a five dollar. Were you pleased like a disappointed for with, with the five dollars? Because that's, that's a system people really milk now. With a finger in the chili, yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah, say, oh, I saw a rat in my food or whatever, you know. But but were you happy with the five dollar coupon or disappointed? Well, I didn't really want to eat another Ghirardelli chocolate bar with nuts. Like even though I did finish did you, most did, of the candy bar, <laughs> the offending bar. Did you send it back? Did you send it? Hilarious to eat the rest of and the now candy he bar. doesn't want ones that 
presumably don't have maggots. It seems to me you could have sent it back and said, well, could I get the cash instead? <laughs> could you send have a you $5 bill? Have you ever eaten Ghirardelli candy bar since? I never have. Yeah. Really? Yeah, see, that's the, that's the ultimate uh, damage there. The company, uh, they know, just lost one. So they handled it wrong. Well, my story is um, it's a uh, it's a shipping story. I had a uh, film show up in Portland a number of years ago, and I packaged some film prints up to send up there and sent it via courier. I guess a courier that shall not be named, though they favor the color brown. And um, you know, a week and a half goes by, and of course, the package goes missing. The guy who I sent it to calls me up. It's never arrived. So I call the courier, and they immediately put a trace on it, and they get back to me really quick. And I think sort of the funny thing about this story is the courier actually, from a customer service standpoint, they did a, they did very good uh, customer service. But it, I think I end up being sort of the irate customer who you know nothing's good enough for. Uh, so they put a trace on the package. Call me back a couple hours later, and they're like, "Well, we've got some good news and bad news. The good news is we delivered it. The bad news is we delivered to delivered it to some address in Healdsburg, California. And if again, geography wise, Portland's about a ten hour car ride. Healdsburg is about ninety minutes by car. So they they delivered it to the completely wrong place. And they're like, "Well, we'll send someone out there and we'll try to get the package back." So, you know, about a week later, they call me back. You know, we've sent a guy out there every day. These people are never home. So, you know, you can kiss the package goodbye. We'll send you the insurance money. And I had insured the package for 500 bucks, which was the, the cost of replacing the prints. And, and I was actually pretty surprised. I feel like places like this, they'll do anything not to pay you. They'll drag these things on for months to get out of paying you. And I was actually shocked that so quickly they're like, oh, you know, who should we send the check to? What's the address? And the thing was, the prints that I had sent up were Super 8 film prints. And at this point in my life, there's no way I would replace those prints with Super 8 prints. Just too too prohibitive. And so for me, it's like, well, I mean, I'll get new prints and it will cost me 500 bucks, but these films will never again show in Super 8 the way they were intended to be seen. So the prints actually had this sort of sentimental value. And I'm like, I don't want the money. You guys, you go out there and you get those prints. You know, You know where they're at. I don't care if you have to send a guy out there every day for the next month. You dropped it off once. You can go back and you can get those prints. And I think they were shocked that I wasn't willing to take the money. Wow. So another playing week, hardball, Dan. I was playing Man. hardball. Another week goes by like, look, we can't get the prints. These people are never home. I'm like, I don't understand. They signed for the package once. Uh, well, we actually just left it on their porch. They never signed for the package. And that's why I get ballistic. I don't know how much of my life I've spent having to go down to your damn office to pick up my packages. You never leave packages on my front porch, you know? It, and wow. they're like, well. So on the other line, they're like, all right, we got a live one here. <laughs> yeah. Some guy's freaking out about some movies or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and, and, and so like, I'm not having any of them. I'm like, you get those packages. You keep going out there. I'm like, what's the address? Healdsburg, I'll drive up there. I'll, I'll, I'll case the joint, you know? And so they give me the address. I'm like, have you tried writing a letter to these people? <laughs> like, we'll pay you the $500. I don't want the money. So they give me the address. And I actually had contemplated driving up there, which I didn't do. But I sent them a letter. Hi, you know, I, you know I'm a filmmaker and this package was sent to you. And these, it's, I know it's a real pain for you to have to resend them somewhere. You know, another week goes by, the, the courier just keeps calling me, can we please pay you? And I'm like, no, this, I'm refusing to let this thing end. And at some point, I get a letter from this woman in Portland. And it's this crazy letter. She's like, 
Yeah, I live in Portland, and I was visiting my parents in Healdsburg, and this package arrived, addressed to an address in Portland. And the strange thing is, I live on the very block that that was addressed to. And she's like, I hate these courier people. They always get things wrong. So I decided I'm going to take the package up to Portland and hand deliver it for you. But then it all kind of falls apart because I'm kind of an idiot. And when I address the package, I put the wrong address on it. So if it is being shipped to like 900 Clinton Street, I put 901. And the address that I put down was an address that didn't exist. So she gets up to Portland and trying to deliver this package. It's an address that doesn't exist and she doesn't know what to do. There was a return address. She could have sent me a letter, but whatever, you know. So anyway, she eventually gets this letter <laughs> from Healdsburg and sends me a letter. Didn't call, whatever. I put my phone number, didn't email, put that in there, sends a letter. And But then all of a sudden I realize this is it. I've hit pay dirt because I can call her up, get her to deliver the package. The courier will never know. I could demand my $500 and get the $500 and the film prints. This is like a, a, a bohemian's wet dream come true. It's win, the win. ultimate scam. I'm my job and just starting the UPS stuff. <laughs> just to the wrong ass. Just shaft them and, every month. Yeah, if I, they lose three things a week. I'll, I'll be sad, man. And so she then delivers the package for me. I call UPS. I'm like, this is it. You people are impossible. This has gone on long enough. Give me my money. And then the guy's like, well, you know what? I'm going to call the, the receiver one more time just to make sure the package hasn't arrived. And I'm like, all right, fine. You do that. I hang up. I call the guy the package was going to. And I'm like, all right, here's what's going down. Someone's going to deliver you a package with the films today. The courier is going to call you. You deny receiving the package. Left a message, of course. Two hours later, the courier calls up. Well, I called them and they said they got the package today. And I'm like, ah. Uh. The great plan scuttled. But the good news is, this is the plot of the next Tom Hanks movie. (laughs) 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 With Anne Heche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out the lady accidentally got the package. They fall in love, and it's it's really awesome. They don't get along at first, though. Yeah. You know, it's like, and Danny is written out of the movie very early on. (laughs) (laughs) Like the first five minutes. Who's the courier? Is it the courier? Goes to the house every day, starts leaving little love letters for the people who won't return the calls. It's playing hard to get. It's it's one of those things where like uh, they're always mad at each other until the third act, and then suddenly they, uh, you know, he turns the UPS truck around, <laughs> starts barreling down to her house. No way! <laughs> Music rises, you know, power punk, yay <laughs> ballad. You can't marry Jeremy Piven. No. <laughs> listening to the nest of vipers podcast for more information on the show and to leave feedback check out our website www.nestofviperspodcast.typepad.com also you can check out movie clips of the music movies and other cultural references we make at our youtube channel www.youtube.com backslash nest of vipers podcast